poor, sleepless nights, hunger, dishonor, unknown, sorrowful, in ill repute, beatings, imprisonment. It sounds like I'm describing someone who lives on the street, doesn't it? But that's not the case. These words are snapshots of the life of the Apostle Paul and also give a picture of, a follower of, of what a follower of Christ must be ready to bear. Paul was a street person of sorts. He pounded the pavement during the first century all the way from Jerusalem to Damascus to Rome. His goal was not one of just survival, but also to spread the good news of salvation. Paul preached that the gift of salvation is from God, and one that comes to all people through Jesus Christ. His invitation to all who cross his path was for people to be reconciled to God. His message of how that is accomplished can be summed up in one sentence. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Sin and righteousness. Those are words that can cause anyone trouble when pondering them. Sin, a small word, but nobody wants it, though everybody has it. Righteousness. Again, nobody has it, though everybody wants it. And in recent years, it has become increasingly hard to talk about sin in a public way. No one is really responsible for their own actions anymore. It is the fault of someone else or circumstances in general. Accountability of one's own actions has been eroded away in today's society. This passing of the buck, as you will, Shouldn't really surprise us, though, should it? it? After all, it is the oldest game on the planet. Adam and Eve invented it in the garden. Adam and Eve have been told by God not to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge. But they disobeyed. They thought that they knew what was right for them. So rather than listening to God's voice of instruction... They listen to their own voices of want. And when they saw, as we look at the Bible itself, it says that, that the tree was good for food and that it was to be desired to make one wise, well, they took it and they ate it. All of this is direct disobedience to God's own command. And they followed their own hearts. When God came looking for them later on in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve hid. You see, sin always has a difficulty of being out in the open. God asks Adam about his newfound feeling of fear and his awareness of his own nakedness. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? asked God. Adam is quick with his response. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and said that it was good. 
And when God asked Eve about the matter, she was just as quick with her response. The serpent, the serpent tricked me. You see, passing the block, shifting the blame, spinning the truth in just a certain kind of way. Nobody wants to be responsible for their own choices. We as humans have learned this game really, really well. We all know how to make excuses for ourselves and for our actions. And there is always a good reason for what we do. Well, it's because it ha of what happened the other day. Or you made me do it. Or you would have done the same thing if it had happened to you. I'm going through a midlife crisis. It was the alcohol talking. These are just but a few of many, many excuses that we can come up with at the drop of a hat. Alfred Adler, who was a student of Carl Jung, helps us to have special insight into the human psyche. His insight is this, that every person is responsible for our own actions. Human beings choose how they respond to any given situation. There may be reasons backing our choices, but it is the individual who makes that final choice. So this places the responsibility where it has always belonged from the very beginning. We actually do understand why the letter I is in the middle of sin. Augustine, one of our great fathers of the early church, would often demonstrate this by crying out, Mia culpa, which means my fault. We have rebelled against our God. We have become the enemy, and we have deserted our post. Just as there is a court-martial death sentence for such dereliction of duty, there is a spiritual death sentence for those who become the enemies of God through their rebellious choices. Paul expresses it this way, the wages of sin is death, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. With all this condemnation, who can stand? Adam and Eve never got back into the garden, and the flaming sword is still at the gate. But is it God's last word? Will we ever find peace with God? When our sin stands between us and with a sword drawn over us. If peace is to come, it will not come by our own hands. If reconciliation is to be achieved, we will not be able to negotiate it. My grandfather was a pilot during World War II. He flew B-17s over France and Germany and Northern Africa. Now the B-17 was nicknamed the Flying Fortress for two reasons. One, it was armed with enough weaponry that it was armed as any fortress ever could be. And second, because it was very hard to shoot one down. They were safe and secure as any fortress here on the ground. And they would come back from missions with broken tail sections, holes in wings, holes in fuselages, and sometimes they had to land on their bellies 
because the landing gear was gone. In fact, my grandfather was shot down not just once, but twice, and both times made it back to Allied territory. He knew a thing or two about these airplanes. So when a B-17 was shot down, it was really something big that brought them down. And on the other hand, when they did, when they were brought down, they very rarely got back up. Unfortunately, we are a lot like these planes in this way. Once we fall, and it usually takes a lot to take us down, it is impossible to get back up on our own. Once we have fallen into sin, humankind can never take flight with God. The good news that Paul announces is that a miracle has indeed happened. God did what we could not do. Through Jesus Christ, God reconciled the world to himself. And in Jesus, God exchanged our sin for his righteousness. He gave us what we could not come up with on our own. The power of Christ's crucifixion on the cross is that the death penalty has been satisfied and the wages of sin have been paid. Though the season of Lent is a reflective season, please, please don't get caught up in what you're giving up. Lent really is not a sad time, but rather it is a time when we consider what has been accomplished for us and what we are preparing to celebrate. And just like prisoners who get a new set of clothes when they're released from jail, we too have been clothed in new righteousness, the righteousness of God. In his mercy, he has not given us what we deserve for our disobedience, namely death. It is by his own grace that he has given us what we do not deserve, life and life abundant. This new life is for anyone who has been grounded by the gravity of sin. God will see to it. God will give it. It is his right to do so. And it is not for us to earn. The marks of this new life, the new life of being reconciled to God, are peace and joy, hope and purpose. And here we come back to Paul's description of life as a servant of God, as outlined in our reading tonight. In the midst of the trials of life as a Christian, God grants blessings that help us to rise above the crash sites of our daily life. We find joy in sorrow, contentment in poverty, integrity in the face of lies, and strength in weakness. ashes of this day that are placed on your forehead remind us that we have crash landed and will not rise up again on our own. These same ashes, as they are shaped in the cross on our foreheads, remind us of how Jesus has come to the crash site of our own humanity. He enters into our sinfulness in such a way as to take it upon himself and to give us his righteousness in exchange. 
his righteousness is to forgive. As he said from the cross, Father, forgive them. His righteousness is to reopen the gate to the garden. And again from the cross, he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. The flaming sword against sin is replaced by his burning love for the sinner. During this season of Lent, let us reflect gratefully on the unsurpassable gift that, of love that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, who reconciled us to God, setting aside the penalty for our sins and forgiving us into a new state of life with him. Let us be encouraged to live faithfully so that we, by anything we say or do, would not place any obstacle in the way for another person to believe in the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. Amen.